0: This is Jason Kanigan, the host of the Cold Star Project, and uh, this is quite a fascinating episode today. One that, uh, wow, I've been waiting a few months to be able to do this. I met Steve, uh, kind of virtually, I guess, through LinkedIn um, after running into some of his videos, his training videos about the uh, hospital department that he trains people to work in, among other things that he does. And... uh, I've been pursuing this as a, as a business opportunity, like to go in there and work on their processes and that for a while. Um, and I have an on again, off again, kind of relationship with it. I've, I've toured, um, sterile processing departments in hospitals and been taken around and this is how we do it. But, um, man, there was just so much I didn't know. And it's not about the instruments or the, the sterilization techniques or anything like that. It's not an equipment-based thing. And and, uh, you'll hear it today. I was startled by some of the stuff that uh, my guest talks about because even having been around it for this long, and my mother worked in in the hospital in North Vancouver for many, many years and and worked in this department there. (laughs) Even with all that, I was still really surprised by the things that Steve talked about today. And they again, they're not equipment issues or knowledge issues. They are culture issues, culture issues. And it began instantly as soon as we got done doing the podcast recording. I, 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 I let Steve know, look, um, this has really got me wondering what other industries is, is a situation, a cultural issue like this going on in. And it's fascinating to have a guest on who can speak their mind. It really is like most of the guests that I have on are—they're great people, of course—and I love them and appreciate them having them on. But they've got—they have to have an agenda. They—they they probably can't fully speak their mind unless they're a completely independent consultant. Um, and even then, you know, you still want to get customers or clients, right? So you're gonna say nice stuff about them, <laughs> right? But uh, Steve here is in a position where he he is able to share the truth, which is, remember, Cold Star Tech's highest value, so I appreciate it the most, this is a big deal, about what's going on. And all the technical knowledge in the world will not fix what's going on here, so Come on in and join us. Steve he's a busy guy, so he 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 joined us from his car. The video is not amazing, but the insights and the the window into this world and, and the identification of these specific culture issues. I mean, I'm going back over this thing and I'm pulling out notes for for me and my business about what to look for and what I could maybe do about something like this if I encounter it in other industries and that. So I really appreciate our guest today let's join it's time for another episode of the Cold Star Project, the podcast about the unexpected challenges of scaling businesses and I'm with Steve Yanovsky, who is well he's a nurse for one um, got a bunch of things from your uh, your LinkedIn profile there but most importantly for me, uh, even though you're involved in some dental stuff and that you're the director of education at the Boston Career Institute and a partner there which is very cool. And I found out about this thing called sterile processing uh, some years ago. And uh, my mother worked in a hospital. And what that is, well, Steve, why don't you explain what sterile processing is for us and why it's important?
1: Well, sterile processing is perhaps the most important um, Uh, profession in in the hospital next to surgery. Nowadays, uh, surgery is probably one of the few things that brings in uh, significant revenue uh, to the hospital. Hmm. Sterile processing field or sterile processing technicians are the people who provide surgical instruments, sterile surgical instruments and uh, disposable supplies to surgery um, in real time. Um, So that's basically what sterile processing is um, in a nutshell.
0: All right, so the reason I wanted to have you on is this sterile processing department matches up exactly with the three things that I really like working on in business: first of all, a compliance culture. If you get this wrong, somebody's going to get hurt or you know disease is going to spread or something right if it 's not uh, fully sterilized and I learned the difference between That's cleaning. cleaning disinfecting and sterilizing are not the same thing (laughs) that's one thing that I've learned from you what quite have watched quite a few of your videos on uh, on YouTube there and uh, and also a time-based critical mission where basically the dirty instruments come down to the basement of the hospital from uh, from the operating room and they need to be cleaned and and sterilized and set up for uh, the next day's operations into various trays and that. Um, So that is a time-based critical mission, and there's a whole process that goes on with it, um, which I've been very interested in for the past year or so, uh, you know, learning to talk this language and that, and also the desire to be the best, which is not always present, but uh, in hospitals, it's usually part of the program. So. Our next question then is about the healthcare field. Uh, I got this quote from the Bureau of Labor Statistics here about healthcare occupations. They say that the employment of healthcare occupations is projected to grow 14% from 2018 to 2028, much faster than the average for all occupations. And that's gonna add about 1.9 million new jobs. And this projected growth is mainly due to an aging population leading to greater demand for healthcare services. So, given that the healthcare field is projected to grow like that, how is this growth rate reflected in the need for sterile processing techs? And what do they need to know to be employable?
1: Of course, the aging population will contribute, of course, to the, uh, the rise in the employment in, in the healthcare field. That, that goes without saying. The, uh, the aging population does suffer more from various maladies and it will need to be treated and of course uh, a lot of their uh, problems are being solved right now surgically mm-hmm. um, so there's probably going to be several sectors which are benefiting from it would be the, the home care and of course sterile processing mm-hmm. now sterile processing right now is a field that's in most states probably 48 out of 50 states is completely and totally unregulated and uh, mm-hmm. all certifying a agencies for sterile processing are pushing legislation uh, in every state to try to get people certified. The hospitals, of course, on, the sa- on one hand, they're looking for people to be certified. On the other hand, they're deathly afraid of the uh, uh, adaptation of various laws in, in every state because they're probably, gonna, at this point in time, will lose 70% of their workforce due to the fact that a lot of people cannot get certified. Uh, They have tried to become certified, but they can't because that sort of goes against the the culture that they're accustomed to in that particular field. Um, You know, sterile processing in many ways has been an afterthought for um, various hospitals uh, and have remained in a basement where they were conceived next to the kitchen, next to the morgue, and where the the operating rooms used to be. And even though operating rooms have migrated upwards and became state-of-the-art, sterile processing is still somewhat of an afterthought. So the need for certified sterile processing technicians is going to be absolutely huge. And it's going to be, unless handled properly, is going to be a uh, disaster for hospitals. Um, Mm. Sorry, I'm sort of veering off the subject a little bit. But to get back to what you were asking, uh, the need is going to be great. And it's probably going to be greater than what we're discussing, only because once the legislation is passed, all these people who cannot become certified, whether they're afraid of certification, or they simply cannot be retrained to current standard, uh, those positions will need to be filled and they will need to be filled very quickly.
0: Okay, you've brought up something that I have not actually heard of before, uh, which is this cultural thing um, that, I'm just that gonna wait and see if our, uh, our video can come back. I'm here. I'm yeah.
1: just putting my ear closer to the speaker because something happened to my uh, um, something happened
0: to my speaker and I can only hear it on the phone. So if you ask me okay. a question, All if right. you don't mind, I'll
1: just listen sure. in quickly.
0: Okay. And our viewers can participate. Okay. So this culture thing that you just mentioned, that is something new to me that I haven't run into before. And that, that's very interesting. So there there is a desire not to have certification um, because they're afraid that they'll lose the workforce that they have. And yet – Hmm. Your organization does certify techs. And I know that, uh, in, in the town that I've been in the last nine years, they require certification as well. Uh, well, maybe not require, but it it sure helps (laughs) to get, to get a, a, uh, sterile processing job in there. So, Hmm. Well, if I may, let me, let me sort of
1: jump in and and kind of address uh, what you're, what you're saying over there. Uh, the situation is, is this way. The hospital's, do understand that there is a great need for certified technicians only because there's a desperate need to follow protocol. Hmm. Uh, The certification process for sterile processing technicians is much like for any other profession. At the end of the day, no one wants to kill anyone. So, for example, if you take nursing boards, it's uh, the fact that if you're a young, inexperienced nurse, you don't want to kill anyone. And that's what this test, it's a preventive test to see, are you going to kill someone or you're not going to kill someone? (laughs) In sterile processing, it's the same thing. It's what you said in the beginning. It's the culture of compliance that's being inserted into the field without any compliance. Hmm. Okay, I I don't even know how else to put it. So, you know, all of a sudden they're asking people about, um, uh, you know, what does OSHA say about the personal protective equipment? Or how far should a shelf be away from an outside wall? Mm-hmm. Why is it that you cannot put a, a, a storage bin underneath a pipe? Why can't you uh, uh, you know, put in um, uh, shelving units next to a sprinkler head? Okay. So what does it have to do with sterilization? Well, it has nothing to do with sterilization, and yet it has everything to do with sterilization, or sterile processing, rather, because when uh, CMS comes in for an inspector uh, inspection or the joint commission comes in all these retired nurses with clipboards are going to show up and they're going to ask you all these wonderful questions mm. you know how come you didn't uh, how come there's no log next to the eyewash station and how come the eyewash station is not 10 seconds away from site of potential injury and this is what most people in sterile processing fail to grasp okay that sterile processing is bigger, much bigger hmm. than assembly of instruments. It's much bigger than sterilizing in steam or hydro peroxide or ethylene oxide. It's indeed the compliance aspect of it all because we're dealing with surgery, a major invasive procedure with an immune compromised patient. And if you don't do your job right, you are well, I don't want to use the term "guilty of professional negligence," which is now medical malpractice. Okay, why is the patient sick after the procedure? Is it a break in surgical protocol, or is it the fact that somebody didn't uh, sterilize the lumen in an instrument? Okay, so that's where the problem is, and this is why the hospitals are scared to death. A, it's hard to get you know people to work in a hospital today to begin with. I mean the um, uh, what is the latest figures for unemployment that these are pretty low numbers nowadays so where do you get skilled people to work in sterile processing hard to get once you get somebody decent how do you get them certified you know it's hard enough to get somebody to assemble a kit or to sterilize something mm-hmm. how do you get them to become certified so this is where the problem is on one hand they know that somebody who's reprocessing an endoscope needs to know what they're doing they need mm-hmm. to know so people don't get sick on the same token where are they going to find qualified staff members and the equipment today is not entirely idiot proof you know there's still a lot left to the discretion of the sterile processing technician supervisor manager and so on and so forth so because the process is not automated and still uh, relies on the um, boots on the ground so to speak uh, we have a problem I mean I kind of hope it makes sense
0: yes yeah, that illuminates it quite a bit. And for folks who don't know, as soon as you get, as soon as you get uh, dampness and darkness and a little bit of warmth going, you're going to start getting bacteria and growth and things like that. So that's it's, right. It's, it's that's very right. dangerous. And people need um, to understand what the community <laughs> levels ought to
1: be. And yeah. that's, the again, the compliance culture that people are simply not familiar with
0: so again this is a bigger world than just please uh, recognize the silhouettes of these instruments or hopefully what they do and assemble them in the right way uh, exactly and and I, I mean a doctor can say look i want this particular instrument included in the kit and i want it wrapped in a, a particular kind of material and not just what you want and if they don't if they don't get what they want, these doctors will come down to the sterile processing department and really lay into the staff.
1: <laughs> well, yes, it's all true. Yeah. And the yeah. doctor has the discretion and the right to do whatever they want. You know, heck mm-hmm. the doctor has the right and the ability to request and completely unsterile kit to come to surgery. But the doctor, but the staff needs to know that for that they need an early release protocol mm. and the doctor needs to sign a paper. And again, Coming back to the compliance issue, where's the compliance? You know, the the doctor can browbeat a sterile processing technician into submission any day of the week because in the hospital, doctor is God. Sorry, God. But the fact of the matter is, in the hospital, that's where it's at. But the sterile processing technician, if they have no clue how they need to comply with the physician's request, you know, you're supposed to do things if they're legal, moral, and ethical. Doctor cannot ask you to do any of that Hmm. unless they sign a specific piece of paper. That needs to be included in policies, procedures, and protocols of the department. And more importantly, each sterile processing technician needs to know where that piece of paper is and what to do. Okay, because you know I've seen physicians fly down from surgery into sterile processing and almost physically assault sterile processing technicians. Doctors don't necessarily understand that there's a process to everything, but To them, there is a patient who's under sedation, who is, by all intents and purposes, dead on the table if they don't have what they need. So they can request whatever they want, and it's their discretion. But the sterile processing technician needs to understand where the proper paperwork is, if it exists at all, and what do we do from here on in? Compliance.
0: Fascinating. Just a, a very, very different world than you might expect. So how are you ensuring that needed skills and requirements are met in your training programs at the, at the Institute?
1: Well, luckily I don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have, um, we have, um, certifying agencies that provide, you know, a full package of information that has to be taught in order that the people pass their board examination. I mean, there's a, they created the, you know, for example, WAMI, uh, which is the governing body that regulates sterile processing, mm. uh, you know, their manual for sterile processing is only 160 pages. IHCSMM manual is about 550 pages of, uh, of information. So they've expanded what WAMI had said and expounded on, on the basic information that was provided. See, WMA provides a very compact code for what it needs to be, but it's not attainable to most people in the field. So Isham, for example, and the CBSBD, they came up with training materials, which uh, sort of meet double um, AMI halfway and provide the information. Uh, so I don't have to reinvent the wheel. All I have to do is provide the training in such a way uh, that people are well accustomed to the um, uh, needs of um, being a sterile processing technician today.
0: Okay, fantastic. So I I have seen that there is, once you start getting some of these certifications, you can get other certifications and grow. So you come into the hospital through the sterile processing tech role, and then maybe you can move up. What other certifications can people achieve once they've gotten in and have two, three, four years experience with this? Okay, well, this is a relatively new phenomenon Hmm. uh, for both certifying agencies.
1: Um, IAH, CSMM, and CBSBD, have rolled out certification in the areas of extreme need. The first one that came out, uh, really, that makes any sense is uh, endoscope reprocessing um, certification. It used to be covered under the umbrella of uh, of general certification. Right now, they made it a separate certification. Um, They also have uh, certification for instrument technicians. Um, That's just whatever i without undermining what it is that they want to do with it is just another layer uh, and of course there's the leadership um, aspect of it all that's uh, uh, extra actually uh, extra compliance and human communication stuff that would be necessary for you to become an effective uh, supervisor and a manager in the field something that you are usually taught in uh, continuing education courses with every employer if they want to invest uh, you into their management team for example mcdonald's and walmart they've had for years these uh, training programs for effective management you can make a pretty good career with that so i think they're shooting for that as well in uh, sterile processing but the one that makes the most sense uh would be the endoscope because that's that other untouched field um you know where people going in there are deathly afraid of endoscopes why i don't know Hmm. but uh it's the fear you know, of the unknown and the complex equipment uh, that it is. But at the end of the day, if you understand the basics of it all and the compliance aspect of it all, you're going to get through it without uh, any issues whatsoever. I hope that answers your question.
0: It does. I've also seen opportunities for people to move up and become an OR tech um, and start actually sitting in on real surgeries and, and seeing what's happening live in there. Uh, Now, given what you've said about the different levels of training and whatnot, what kind of issues are there in growing a sterile processing team where you've got skill sets at different levels maybe uh, brought into one organization and then you want to add on more in that? How do you keep them all um, at the same level of of skill or raise them up as you go? Or is it just, well, we'll just take it as we can and...
1: I mentioned in the beginning that you sterile know. processing department has always been an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the same token, managers uh, of the sterile processing departments and the directors of perioperative service services are only now beginning to wake up to the fact that a clinical educator in these departments is a key role. Okay. Uh, and not only is it a clinical educator that who is an educator. Uh, from some other field. It needs to be a clinical educator in the field of sterile processing, its own educator. Um, usually what they do is they stuff an OR nurse into a sterile processing department mm-hmm. with that nurse's uh, warped view of sterile processing. Mm-hmm. And those folks can't connect with the uh, uh, the down in the trench uh, mentality in the sterile processing department. It's the elitist mentality of the OR that doesn't work well with a blue collar if you will, aspect of, uh, of sterile processing. So there's this you know, tug of war that takes place within the department. Uh, and of course, people who've done this job for 20 plus years or 10 plus years, whatever, they're not going to be taught down or taught down to in that particular field because most cases they know this particular aspect of the job much better than anyone else. But the compliance aspect of it, of it all, not the actual work, but the actual why we do the work and why we do certain things the way we do them, that part is missing. And those folks have a chronic, if you will, inferiority complex that's very, very difficult to overcome. That has been my biggest challenge in people uh, who have been in departments for a while. It's the, I can take a person who has no knowledge of anything and train them to pass the board exam in two to three weeks. It may take me six months. To take a person who knows the job inside and out, knows it better than I do, as a matter of fact, but they cannot come off of the Olympus there, from the top of Olympus to say, okay, teach me, teach me, let me open my mind, and let me do what you do, and so I can do what I do better. Uh, One thing that I always tell my students is that the most important thing that they will do is to, well, keep their mouth shut and listen more. And uh, most importantly, is to learn as much as they can once they pass the board exam, to -hmm. become visible in the operating room, to ask for and receive permission to go and observe the surgery, to become a part of the perioperative team, to be able to be recognized as a professional that they are with a certification that's national and, as a matter of fact, international. uh, And once they become a member of the team and not just someone in the basement Mm -hmm. who used to swing them up and is now just washing the instruments. No no no, It's to develop the culture of professionalism which only comes with belonging to a professional organization, having licensure and having you know direct relationship to the patient. You know the Food and Drug Administration classifies um, classifies sterile processing equipment as class two medical device. okay why do they do that? Because there is a risk of or possibility of a risk of injury to the patient mm. if the equipment malfunctions. Now, if the FDA classifies equipment, how should we classify a person who operates the equipment and does that? So there is that. There is a direct connection to from a sterile processing technician to the actual patient care. And that part is missing in the culture of sterile processing. Just because people work in the basement somewhere and they run the equipment and they deal with a piece of instrument, They need to feel that there's a long arm of the sterile processing technician that stretches from the basement directly to the operating room table, okay? And sterile processing field is an excellent field. There are so many ways you can uh, expand your knowledge and be useful in the hospital. People don't even understand how far a a person like that can go. We are now standing on a precipice uh, where sterile processing can take off probably to the same level as uh, nursing. Nurses used to be you know, the bottom of the food mm. chain. Remember, it was only prostitutes and nuns that used to enter <laughs> that field many, many years ago, right? How far along have we come? Now you can get a doctorate in nursing, and I don't know how much people make in different parts of the country, but if you have a master's degree in Boston, mm. you're making over $150,000 a year up to upwards of a quarter of a million dollars a year if you're a nurse anesthetist. I mean, that is a staggering amount of money for a registered nurse. And now let's apply that to sterile processing where a median uh, wage in the United States just a few years ago was just over $24,000 a year. You know, so, and uh, it's, to me, that was just extraordinary. I couldn't understand that. Uh, But now you look around in Boston, for example, it almost doubled, and it's going to go through that phase again, but only if people realize that level of compliance, that level of uh, professionalism, esprit de corps that mm. they must experience and apply to their profession it has to come from within.
0: Amazing. I, I love the vision. I love the vision of the future there that you've shared, Steve, and the, the window into. The culture of what's really going on there. Just as a final question: Is is there any talking point or or belief that you wish that the public had or that business people had about sterile processing that they just don't have right now?
1: It's an interesting question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know about the public because the public mm-hmm. is uh, public doesn't really understand um, what doctors do. Mm. They are so far removed. A lot of the public is just that. It's public. They're ignorant to what they do. Uh, My vision would be more to hospital administrators and OR Mm -hmm. administrators to finally start treating sterile processing, not as an afterthought, but as the primary thought when they even design their operating room protocols and procedures and so on and so forth. That would be my goal, for people to treat this as a First and primary thought because if you develop that, then the surgical services will run smoothly. There's really no need to have any kind of stress in this particular field. If everything is planned out properly, if they just take a lesson from UPS, where Hmm. nothing goes wrong, everything is tracked, everything is scanned, you know, in real time where your package is and so on. And then everybody gets their stuff on time and not an issue. Well, that's the story here. Let me share with you a quick story that I, I, uh, I won't mention who, uh, I was being interviewed for a position of a manager in the department. And uh, I was being interviewed at the time by a uh, director of, um, he was a medical director uh, of uh, surgery. He was the chief of surgery. And he goes on and on and on and says, hey, Steve, you know, you're going to you have a, your work cut out for you. All these people are idiots working in the department, you know, they do awful work. You know, just and he was so down on sterile processing technicians, and I, I really didn't need the job, so I could say whatever I wanted. It was just one of those things that I did. So, I'm asking him, uh, "Have you ever been to the sterile processing department?" He says, "No, no, I haven't." <laughs> okay, so I ask him, "Doctor, have you ever flown on an airplane?" And he says, "Of course I have." Well, would you um, ever go on a plane where a pilot didn't do a pre-flight check, didn't kick the tires, so to speak? didn't talk to the maintenance people about the bird he's about to fly. He says, no, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I said, "Uh, well, you're the pilot, doctor. And he looks at me with these, you know, deer in the headlights look, eyes. And I look at him and I said, well, who's the real idiot here, doctor? And he picked up his phone and he texted. He said, hire that man. (laughs) And uh, the fact of the matter is, this is a culture in the OR. It's a culture in the hospital. It's The fact is that the doctors with their, their, I don't know, they go to school for so long. They have so many residency programs. They have fellowships. And then they go on and they put their licenses, their careers, the lives of their patients in the hands of who? People they call idiots? There seems to be a disconnect. There seems to be a problem. People need to be brought up to a level of a healthcare professional and people need to be compensated properly for their service and people need to be held to a higher standard. And only then are we going to accomplish great results in sterile processing and, you know, where people feel like a part of the team and uh, lifesavers.
0: Well, fantastic. And, and thank you very much for this window into that world. Um, You've startled me a few times because you've shared things that even though I've been interested in this field directly for, for seriously for many years, but really for a year or more of uh, of real scrutiny, you've surprised me with things that you've shared that I just didn't know about because I'm not in it every day. I've been on tours of sterile processing departments and in hospitals and that, but uh, you know, to get this kind of uh, an insider viewpoint is really, really valuable. So thank you very much.
1: Well, I'm glad I was there to assist and uh, (laughs) good luck.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Steve. All the best, Steve. Thank you.